everybody. Thank you so much for coming to church this morning. Who's excited to be in the house of God? I love it. I love it. I love it. This is going to be a passionate service. I already feel the faith in the room. Come on. Anybody in here got some faith? Oh, I like it. I feel ready to preach, y'all. Come on. Hey, can you guys humor me and uh, do me a favor? Can we first of all welcome our Framingham campus, our online campus, Facebook Live. We love y'all. Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. Hey, and also do me a favor, because I need you guys to get loose in this service. Could you guys just find five people closest to you, high-five them, hug them, give them some daps, kiss them if it's appropriate, or just test it out, <laughs> try it, do whatever you got to do. Get loose. Come on. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> love it, man. We're going to have a good day in church today. Come on, anybody excited? Come on, anybody excited? All right. Uh, first of all, just to set the stage, let me just tell you something. I am a Pentecostal on the inside, okay? And so that means we are a hollaback kind of church. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I hear a preach? preach. Uh, my ultimate favorite is mmm. There you go. You guys are getting it. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles open to Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, we're going to be concluding our positive ID series today. How many have been enjoying the series so far? Love it. We've been basically talking about our identity because we need to know who we are. And if we know, if we're going to find out what we're called to do, we need to know who we are. Amen, everybody. And so we don't know who we are until we know whose we are. And so last week we were talking about the five divine fingerprints that we have as sons and daughters of God, that you are accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. You are valuable. Somebody say, I'm valuable. Somebody say, I am, uh, 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 what's the third one? Is love. Somebody say, loved. I am forgiven. Somebody say, forgiven. And I am capable is the fifth one. I would recommend you go back into the archives and watch that sermon. I'm telling you, it's going to encourage you so much. But today, I want to conclude our series talking about the term insecurity. Somebody say insecurity. And so really what I'm praying today is that I can serve as kind of the doctor. We can open up God's word and we can really identify some insecurities that we might have. And then I'm telling you, you're going to, you might walk in here with some insecurity, but you're walking away with total confidence. Can I get an Amen. And so I truly 100% believe that. And so we're going to be studying Numbers chapter 13. Uh, but before that, it's my custom to pray before I preach, and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. What a blessing, what a privilege it is to be able to speak to your people. Uh, and I just believe, God, that we're going to have a miraculous day. I believe that it's not just going to be a day where we just come in and do church and check off a box, but we have an encounter with the presence of God. I believe that we'll be able to see Jesus today. I pray that we get an, a, a word from heaven and that we encounter the power of God. Perform open heart surgery today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. amen and amen. Go to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to go and throw it up on the screen. It says this. Basically what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading a couple scriptures to you. I'll tell you a couple stories, a couple jokes. How many love to enjoy church? Come on. Tell a couple jokes, a couple stories. Uh, I want to break down this text. I want to give you three truths today that I promise you are going to really help you and encourage you and build you up in your faith. Uh, would you do me a favor? I didn't do this first service, but I actually think it's just really good for us. Uh, in honor of the reading of God's word, can you all stand to your feet so we can read the word? It says this, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he says, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. Come on, you need, some, you need some friends that are full of faith. And then it says, but the men who had gone up, and it says in the next slide, the men who had gone up, sorry, let me go back, with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. What's that? Insecurity. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And then they said, 
The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, they are of great size. And we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anna come from the Nephilim. And then it goes, here's the key verse today. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Let me tell you something about you. People will view you the way you view you. And so that's why we need a strong identity. Can we praise God for the reading of God's word today? You guys can find your seats. Um, I remember walking into my house recently. And uh, it was a Saturday morning. I'm heading off to the gym. My wife just comes home, and uh, we're kind of doing a little swap. She's going to watch Zion. Zion's my baby boy. He's turning one years old on Wednesday. Can't believe it. It's crazy. And so I literally see him walk into the room. He makes eye contact with me, but on his way to making eye contact with me, he makes eye contact with himself. He looks at this full-body mirror that we have in our room, and Zion sees Zion. And what Zion does is he literally skedaddles all the way. I don't know. I'm such a dad. I'm using the word skedaddles now. He skedaddles all the way over to this full-body mirror. He sees the mirror, starts slapping the mirror, and then he just starts kissing himself. <laughs> I was like, that's my boy, full of confidence. I love it. And so I just, saw, I just saw it, and I just had this, like, dad moment where I'm just like, I love that my boy loves himself. Come on, I, I love that Zion loves Zion. And I just thought to myself, I want Devin to love Devin the way Zion loves Zion. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I think we need just an infusion of love for ourselves. How many know it's important to love yourself? Because literally it is an insult to God when you don't love yourself because it's basically saying, God, you made a flaw. God doesn't make any junk. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, God doesn't make junk. And so I just want you to know today, it's important that you love yourself, and it is possible for you to love yourself. But I think many people have an identity crisis. Many people don't know who they are, and they don't know how valuable, how dangerous, how confident they can actually be. I remember going out to L.A. recently, and uh, I was with my brother-in-law, me and my brother Brendan, and we're going to a 24-hour fitness. And so we walk into the gym, get our pump on, you know, looking like Greek gods, trying to do the best we can. And we walk inside. Just the joke didn't work out. I'm not going to say it third service. Um, (laughs) Walk into the gym. And then, uh, and then we walk into the basketball gym. So both of us are basketball players. And I walk inside, and I see this guy that I recognize. I literally followed him for like 10 years. It's a guy from the N1 mixtape. Anybody familiar with N1 back in the day? Thank you. We've got five people in this place that know basketball. Okay. So I walk inside. I see this guy. And uh, it's this guy that used to be on a streetball mixtape. His name is The Bone Collector. Somebody say Bone Collector. That's my dude. Come on, D-Rock. That's my guy. So I go up to Bone Collector. It sounds just funny to say. But I was just like, I want to introduce myself. I want to get to know who he is. I want to get to know his name because we're teammates and we're going to take off the other five guys uh, that are our opponents. And so my brother-in-law and I and Bone Collector and then two other random guys are playing this five-on-five game. I go up to Bone Collector. I go, my man, what's your name? My name is Devin. What's your name? Expecting him to say his actual name. He goes, Bone Collector. (laughs) And I thought to myself, your name is not Bone Collector. Like your mom, your dad. God did not give you the name Bone Conductor. His name is Larry. Like, that's his actual name. Like, I looked, on, I looked on Wikipedia. His name is Larry. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Bone. I'm going to call you Bone from now on. But, but your name is Larry. Like, this dude had his, his identity is wrapped up in what he does. Yeah, so I think the most dangerous thing you can do in your life is get your identity wrapped up in what you do and not in who you are. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying today? So I think that's why it's so important that we're talking about a positive ID, getting to know who we are. And I want to tell you something today. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that struggle with insecurity. If you want to write something down, you can write this down. Insecurity can keep you from your destiny. And so that's why we need to know what our identity is. We need to have the full armor of God on. We need to have the mind of Christ. 
And I'm just telling you, you're going to get some truth today that I promise you, you walk away with fully confident. And so what I want to do is I want to break down this text in Numbers chapter 13 because I think there are some keys in this that can genuinely help us for our everyday life. Now, Numbers chapter 13 starts off like this. Moses gets a word from God saying, uh, you need to send out 12 spies, one spy from each of the tribes of Israel. Send them out and go to the land of Canaan. Somebody say Canaan. Now, here's what you need to know contextually. The Israelites have been in slavery from Egypt for 400 years. 400. How many know that's a long time? And so they've been so used to slavery that how many know just because they're shackled, uh, they're not shackled with their hands and feet anymore, they can be shackled with their mind and their heart. And so we see slavery tendencies. So watch. Moses gets this download from heaven saying, listen, I need you to go to the land of Canaan. I'm giving you the land of Canaan. It says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. I'm giving you this land. But it gives us a principle because later we find out that in this land there are occupants in the land. There are people possessing the land. Because hear me, write this down in your notes. Your future isn't fixed, but your future deserves a fight. Yeah, so, so God has a desire. God has an intent. God has a dream for our lives to get to Canaan, the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. A land full of resources. A land full of wealth. A land full of providence. And God wants us to get to that place. But in order to get to that place, we need to put up a fight. Your future is not fixed. It is not automatic. God's will for your life will not come to pass without your participation. So he says, send off 12 spies. The 12 spies go off for 40 days. Everybody following the story so far? 12 spies go off for 40 days. They come back with a report. They say, there are these massive grapes. Let me say grapes. Like these grapes were not just grapes you find in a little cluster. These grapes are like the size of watermelons if you study it. Like how many know that's not a grape? That's a great grape, Right? <laughs> Like, that's a watermelon-sized grape. It says there's figs, there's pomegranates. How many people are ready for lunch? Come on, somebody. And so they bring back these massive grapes, and they bring back the report to the Israelites, and they're like, yo, you should see this land. This land is flowing with milk and honey. They got huge grapes. They got tons of resources. Uh, they're, they're, but, they're, but here's a problem is they got grapes, but here's what they also have. They got giants. And so you got grapes over here, which basically are representation of dreams, of promise, of God's dream for your life. But then you got giants. And if you want to get grapes, you need to kill giants. But they come back and they're just like, listen, we can't possess the land. Ten out of the 12 spies that come back to Israel literally come back with a negative report because they viewed themselves as insecure. They didn't see themselves as mighty warriors. They saw themselves as insignificant people. And so they came back with a report saying to all of Israel, saying to three million people, they say, Yo, we can't take the land. But then we find in Numbers chapter 13, go back to Numbers chapter 13, guys, verse 30. Then it literally says that Caleb, watch, Caleb silenced the, peop- silenced the people. Basically, they're having this committee meeting. Caleb silences the people and says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Man, I love that. It's so powerful. You can write this down if you want to. Your attitude determines your altitude. Oh, that's that will preach right there. See, because how many know the condition of your heart is so important to get to the dream for your life? So your attitude can determine your altitude. Caleb and and Joshua, they both have a spirit of a pioneer. Just because nobody's done it doesn't mean it can't be done. I wish somebody heard me today. Just because nobody's done it before doesn't mean it can't be done. I'm telling you, you need the spirit of Caleb to just say, we can do this. And then it goes on, but the men who had gone up, and it says in the next slide, with him, we can't attack those people because they're stronger than we are. How many know insecurity will always enlarge them and it will diminish you? That's what insecurity does. 
is it literally makes them feel so much bigger, so much stronger, so much better, and it will always diminish you. And this is, and they spread a report among the Israelites, a bad report about the land that they had explored. And then it said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people they saw were of great size. We saw them, they were called the Nephilim. Somebody say Nephilim. And basically, here's, the, here's what's crazy. This is why you got to study your Bible. It's amazing. Literally what the Nephilim were, were these giant men. And they were the sons of God and the daughters of men. And they had, they had, they had mated, and they produced an offspring called the Nephilim. Now, these men were 9 to 11 feet tall. They were huge. Okay? A lot of times people, I believe personally that this is where Goliath's descendant came from. This is where Goliath came from. He was a descendant of Anak or Nephilim. I also believe that Chris, my security guard right here, Chris, just wave your hand. I believe that that man is from Nephilim. I believe it 100%. I think Jeff Weisner in Framingham is from them. I'm just kidding. But I just believe that these men, they were huge men. But you need to have the spirit of Caleb to say, listen, just because he's big doesn't mean he can't fall. I want to tell you, the bigger the giant, the greater the destiny. Yeah. So here's what I know. Is there are grapes in the land. There are giants in the land. But here's one more thing. As they later on go say, uh, go to the next slide, guys. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. So there are grapes. There are giants. And then there are grasshoppers. And what I want to tell you, if you want to get to the grapes, you need to kill the giant. But before you kill the giant, you need to kill the grasshopper. Y'all follow me today? And so the grasshopper, this is what I want to talk about today, is the grasshopper complex that I think a lot of us might have. And has anybody ever been insecure or feel inferior to something? Because you know God has called you to something great. But if you want to get to something great, you need to kill the grasshopper on the inside of you. And that's what I want to teach you for the next 23 minutes and 12 seconds, okay? So... Write this down in your notes. Here are three things that psychologists say that you need in order to have security or insecurity. I believe one thing, by the way, one thing I believe about our church, and I love that our pastor says all the time, he says, don't check your brain at the door. Meaning that in this environment, yes, it's an environment full of faith, but just because we're full of faith, God also provides wisdom. Why would, why would God give and write a whole book called Proverbs saying, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom, if you never use your wisdom? Come on. God created the brain. And I believe psychology only reinforces what theology already said. Are y'all hearing me today? And so what about God and science? What about church and science? What about church and science? Science supports what God already says. Come on, somebody. And so psychology and theology are intertwined and interwoven together. They are married together. And so here's what I know. Psychologists say that if you want security or insecurity, here's what they say. You need to be seen. You need to feel safe. And you need to be soothed. That's what psychology says, that either if you have an abundance of it, that's why you have security. If you have a lack of it, that's why you have insecurities. Seen, safe, and soothed. Here's what safety is. Safety is basically, were you neglected? Were you rejected? Were you taken care of? And let me tell you something. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 18. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. I love this about our God. Even if you didn't get safety or protection from a biological father or mother, let me tell you something. Your heavenly father has been looking out for you. Did anybody hear me today? Your heavenly father has been looking out for you. And I want to tell you, you are safe in God's hands if you run to his name. Here's the second thing is they say, seen. Have you been watched? Have you been needed? Have you been affirmed? Have you been watched over? They say that literally you can have insecurities if somebody hasn't noticed you. And so you don't need to be noticed by many. You need to be noticed by a couple, though. And so that's why I think it's important that people get rooted and established in the family of God. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. But the last one would be soothed. It basically means loved, where you're protected. We find that in research, um, I remember posting a picture one time of when we were in the hospital, 
and Zion was just laying on my chest. I was shirtless in the hospital. He was laying on my chest. They call it skin to skin. And somebody commented, one of my doofus friends, he was like, why are you shirtless with a picture, bro? You're so weird. I'm like, dude, because skin to skin, literally a baby, it says a baby's uh, development is really healthy if you have a skin to skin interaction. In other words, they need to be touched. They need to be held. And that's why I think that we need more laying on of hands in church. I believe in old school principles. I believe that what the Bible says in the past still is relevant for today. And that's why I think it's important that people get prayer. Come on, somebody. And so safe, seen, and soothed. And they say if you have a lack of something, it's probably because you have a lack of insecurity because you have a lack of one, two, or three of those things. But if you have an abundance of it, that's probably why you have some security. But I want to teach you today how to get rid of the grasshopper complex. Is anybody getting something out of that so far? And so, number one, write this one down. If you want to kill the grasshopper complex, number one, you need this. You need the mind of Christ. Somebody say mind of Christ. You need the mind of Christ. And you know what I learned in my experience of walking with Jesus is this, is that when God really wants to change a man or God really wants to change a woman, he'll do it head first. Yeah, he'll do it head first. Meaning, listen, God could bless you and you may not even recognize his blessings because you still have a poverty mindset. And so if God really wants to see sustained change in your life, he will say, renew your mind. And write this down in your notes. Your mind is your responsibility. Yeah, it's not the doctor's responsibility. It's not a therapist's responsibility. It's not your husband or your wife's responsibility. God has given you your mind, and your mind is your responsibility. We need to take back our minds. We need to take back our cult. We need to take back our thoughts. Come on, somebody. And so I think this is so powerful because if you want to have a healthy life, you need to have a healthy mind. Because a positive life will never be uh, experienced if you have a negative mind. Let me just tell you a story real quick. I remember this mom, uh, she was, uh, I heard a preacher share this story. Uh, this mom was, you know, making salad, and she put some uh, vegetables and tomatoes in it, some chicken in it, come on, some protein for all the fellas. Who just eats salad by themselves? Like, it just makes no sense to me. You don't get full of anything. I digress. Soapbox over. But I just remember that she's putting chicken and vegetables and all this stuff in the salad, and then all of a sudden her daughter walks in the house, and daughter walks in, and she just goes, hey, mom, I'll just let you know I'm going out with my friends. It's Friday night. I'm going to see a movie. The mom asks what movie she's seeing. She comes back with some title of a movie, and the movie was a little inappropriate, and she just she sees her mom then reach into a trash can and put garbage all in the, in the uh, salad, and she starts tossing the salad and just starts putting the salad dressing in the salad, and then the daughter is like, what in the world are you doing, mom? You're putting garbage in the salad. And she goes, oh, well, I'm putting garbage in the salad because I figured you wouldn't mind garbage in your stomach since you're putting garbage in your mind. Hello, everybody. Your mind is your responsibility. And so you got to be careful with what you're feeding it. Uh, This is not a church that's legalistic in any way, shape, or form, but we do have standards. And it's very important that all of us hear this because you might be feeding your mind trash, and what do you think is going to come out? Trash. And so your mind is your responsibility. Stop feeding your mind trash if you want to have a healthy mind. But here's another thing I remember is uh, anybody ever, like, take uh, have a bath with your kid? Like, I remember putting Zion in a bath, and we we fill up the tub with bath water. Uh, How many know it would be disgusting, though, if, like, two days later we just kept keeping that bath water in the tub, and then we just cleansed them again? Like, how many know that's nasty? Come on, somebody. That's disgusting. But I think there's a lot of times where, you know, people, when it comes to their mind, they just never drain the swamp. Yeah, so that's why scripture says you can't put new wine in a new wineskin. So God wants to bless you, but because you haven't renewed your mind, it's an old wineskin. It's basically putting new water in a dirty swamp. Somebody say drain the swamp. 
Yeah, you need to have a new mind, a new mindset. It's healthy for us because, listen, God wants to speak to you today. And sometimes we come into church and we're like, I've been in services, I've been in sermons, and uh, nothing has really changed. Well, it's probably because you don't have a renewed mind. And you need to learn how to renew the swamp, how to drain the swamp and renew your mind. Come on, somebody. But watch this. I love this. The mind of Christ is so important. This will blow your mind. Mark chapter 1, I believe it's verse 11. You guys can throw it up there on the screen. It says this. God says this to Jesus. As Jesus gets baptized and comes out of water, audibly he says, a voice came from heaven. This is my son, whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. So powerful. Now watch. Scripture actually says that you are co-heirs with Christ. Meaning that Jesus isn't just your savior. Jesus is also your brother. He is your family. And so what God says to Jesus, God says to you. Now watch. Listen to me. You are my son. You are my daughter. Whom I love, with you, I'm well pleased. Now the crazy thing about this text is not what was said, but when it was said. See, because this is before Jesus has done anything. He didn't do any miracles. He didn't get crucified yet. He didn't resurrect from the dead. He hasn't healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons. He hasn't done nothing yet. And yet, he hasn't done anything of, quote, unquote, ministry significance. And yet, God says, you are my son, whom I love, and whom I'm well pleased. In other words, that says, God loves you. He is your father. He likes you. He is proud of you before you do anything for him. Did anybody just get that today? Like, that means... Your identity, you are not loved. God is not proud of you because of what you do. God is proud of you because of who you are. And so you need to put on the mind of Christ. God, you don't need to do anything for approval because you already got it. Oh, my gosh, that will preach so good. My goodness, we need the mind of Christ. If you want to get rid of the grasshopper complex, man, you need to renew your mind. Amen, everybody. Number two, write this one down. If you want, you need the mind of Christ to get rid of the grasshopper complex. But the second thing is this. Is you need the family of God. Yeah, you need the family of God. I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday, my barber, and uh, we were just talking back and forth, and he says he's a believer, and he says, uh, you know, he, he's, he wants to come back to church. He's been away from church for a long time. I said, listen, church can't save anybody. The church cannot save anybody, but the church can introduce you to Jesus, but the church can introduce you to friends. And listen, we are not just a friendly church. We want you to have a friend in church. Yeah, you don't just need people. I said this to our student ministry recently. Uh, You don't need friends to go to church with. You need friends to go to war with. Yeah, I need people that I can pray with. I need people that I can fast with. I need people that I can believe with. If I'm going through something, I need a family to go through something with. See, that's why it's just not enough to just come and hear a sermon. Sermons are great. Trust me, I do this for a living. I love what I do. I am called to do this. But listen, what you really need is you need family. You don't need another sermon preached that you you need a family. And that's why we do groups here. That's why we have community here. That's why we do, we offer just family here and get involved in a team. Not because we need you, but because you need us and you need this and you need community. Come on, somebody. That's why it's so important to be in the family of God. Is you don't just need another sermon. You need family to go through life with. Let me tell you a story. Just last week. Uh, I come from, I came back from Florida. My dad and I went to a pastor's conference down in Bradenton, Florida. And I had an amazing time there. I got to have some father-son time. It was amazing. And uh, we're flying back. I get on the plane as we're flying back to Boston, flying JetBlue. My dad walks into the aisle. Of course, he has seat 1A. I have seat 97E. (laughs) I walk by my dad, and my dad's like, (laughs) go back there with the peasants. I'm like, oh, geez, great, dad. It's awesome. You know? He just smirks at me. I'm just like, whatever, Pops. 
I go all the way back to 97E, and I sit next to my friend um, who I just developed a friendship with. His name is Jeff. Everybody say Jeff. And uh, I just sit next to Jeff, and then he, uh, you know, we have some small talk a little bit. And then he asked me the question. And he asked me, hey, what do you do for work? And I'm like, oh, geez, do I want to lie right now? Do I, do I really want to get into this? Because some people, when I say, like, I'm a pastor, people are like, oh, you're a priest. Okay, great. I'm like, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor, okay? I have to, like, debunk all these myths and all these things that he believes. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm not a priest. He's like, oh, so that means you don't have a family and you, you're not allowed to have kids. I'm like, I have a family. I have kids. I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. Just all these things go in my head. And so eventually I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm a pastor. He goes, wow, that's crazy. That's awesome. Silence for a little bit. I'm like, oh, great. I opened Pandora's box. Like, oh, great. I made an enemy. He's not a friend anymore. And then he asked me a question like two minutes after silence, and he just goes, um, actually, I've been reading the Bible recently, and uh, I have some questions. And I thought it was crazy because I began to ask him questions. I'm like, you ever been to church before? He goes, I've never been to church in my entire life. I go, did your family raise Christian or any kind of faith? He's like, never in my life. And, uh, and he just goes, I honestly picked up the Bible because I was interested in it. And I felt like God was speaking to me. I don't know how that happens, but I felt like God was speaking to me. He opens his Bible three weeks ago, reads through the whole Old Testament. By the way, that's a miracle in three weeks. <laughs> Literally, that's a modern-day miracle. That's water into wine nowadays. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm in Matthew right now. And I just have all these questions. I said, Jeff, listen to me. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that this was a divinely orchestrated moment. And we began to talk for about an hour and a half over the plane ride. And, uh, and then eventually I was like, Jeff, listen, I'm preaching a sermon on Sunday. Uh, you should come to church, man. And I began to give him counsel. I just said, listen, if there's one thing I can tell you, because we might not see each other again, but if there's one thing I could tell you is this, is yes, Jesus is that good, but also you need the family of God. You need some people. You need a community you can do life with. Because you should not do it alone. I believe there are three things in life that people have, and they choose different types of life. There are, there's the godless life, there's the eternal life, and then there's the abundant life. And if you want to experience the abundant life, it is directly connected to the family of God. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, it's directly connected to the community and the people you do life with. And let me tell you something. Jeff heeded my counsel. He was in church for the first time ever in his entire life, sitting in that corner right over there last Sunday, and uh, as, we, as we began to have a conversation, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to lead him to Christ right now. I'm going to lead him to Christ right now. And I asked him, I go, what do you believe about Jesus? And he goes, well, I believe that he's the son of God. I, I think I led myself to Christ recently. I don't really know what that means. I go, dang it, I wanted to do it. Ah, I was so tipped. I was like, that would have been the best sermon illustration ever. But he ended up doing it. We just kind of solidified uh, his faith and what his salvation really meant. And he was in church on Sunday. Guys, throw up the picture there really fast. He was in church last Sunday, and we got to just hang out and connect. And Jeff came. Isn't that awesome? Jeff came sitting in this corner right over here. It took him two hours to get to church. Two hours. Because last week we got a little bit of a snowstorm. He lives in North Quincy. He came on the T-station, walked over here. And you know what he said to me afterwards? He goes, that was worth every minute of my trip. And it wasn't the sermon. He goes, the people here are incredible. Can I, tell, can I tell you something? I am so proud of my church. Listen to me. If you want to see real life change, it starts with the family of God. Can I get an amen, everybody? Amen. And the third and final thing, and I want to really teach this because this is probably my favorite subject is this, is you need the power of God. Come on. You need the power of God. See, I, I've learned this in my life is that we need more power. We don't need mega churches. We need power churches. And if there's one thing that I can tell you is this, is you just need the power and the presence 
in the weight, in the glory of the power of God. Can I get an amen, everybody? Amen. Listen to me. I wrote this down in my notes, and I felt in my spirit to share this to you, to share this with you, is God can do in 10 seconds what a therapist couldn't do in 10 years because of the power of God. And we're going to go into a time of worship and prayer because I believe what you need is a divine moment, similar to what Jeff had, where God just says, I want to bless this man, I want to bless this woman, and this is what I want to do. I want to set him up with me. And we had an incredible prayer. See, you don't just need, you don't need music in the background. I think it's just important to have an atmosphere of faith in here. But what you really need is you need more power in your life. God can still heal cancer. Come on, somebody. I shared a story just last week about how we got to pray with a young lady uh, who was battling with cancer three times in her life. And her report came, NED, no evidence discovered. And literally, she got healed of cancer. God can heal cancer today. Come on, feel faith in this room. God can heal cancer. He can heal sicknesses. He can heal diseases. He can heal mental illnesses. You want, you want to know something? If you want to get controversial, throw out some mental illness stuff on Facebook and social media. We just, we just declare, I am a faith preacher, and so I'll just declare that God can heal mental illnesses, and it's crazy the hatred you'll get back because people identify their identity is their mental illness. Listen, God didn't, I want to say this to everybody, especially if you're watching online. God did not intend for you to have a mental illness. It is not of God. It is of the devil, and I'm telling you, you can get healed of it today. I'm telling you. I will, I will set a standard. Listen, it is not a thorn in your side. God can heal it. And I believe God can heal in multiple ways. I believe God can heal uh, supernaturally. I believe God can heal medicinally. I believe God can heal naturally. God can heal any way. He gave, he gave humans wisdom. He, he gave us his Holy Spirit, which means we are powerful and we have supernatural uh, ability on the inside of us. But hear me, I want to give you three tools. Write these down. If you want to see miracles in your life, come on, who wants to see miracles in their life? Come on, I, need, I need more faith than that. Who wants to see miracles in their life? I need you to use these three tools. Ready? God says he has given you the keys to the kingdom. Here's the first key. You need to use the name. Oh, my gosh. I feel, I feel God in this room. You need to use the name of Jesus. Because what does scripture say? At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow that Jesus is Lord. If you want to get rid of cancer, use the name of Jesus. If you want to get rid of mental illnesses, use the name of Jesus. If you want to see families, uh, if you want to see families come back in unity, use the name of Jesus. Somebody just shout Jesus. Come on, somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Use the name of Jesus. And here's the second thing is this, is, is you need to give him glory. Use the name of Jesus, and you need to give him glory. Listen, it is not a preacher. This is what happens sometimes. People can come into church settings, and then come into church environments, and they come up to you, and they'll be like, no, I want the pastor to pray for me. Can I tell you, the same spirit of God that lives in me lives in you. And so you don't just need a pastor to come and pray for you. Your neighbor can be the key to access your freedom. Sitting in your, in your row right there. See, because greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so listen, you have all power and all authority given to you. Give God the glory. It is not you. It is not me that does anything. It is God that does it. And here's the last thing is you need to plead the blood. You want to use the name. If you want to see miracles in your life, use the name. Plead the blood and then give him glory. What does plead the blood mean? It basically means that there is just a, literally what happens in the Old Testament is there was a death angel that would visit the firstborn children of Israel. And basically if they had uh, splattered the lamb of the blood, I mean the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, what would happen is the death angel would pass it and say, sickness is not going to visit this house. Death, death is not going to visit this house because when God sees blood, he knows there's protection. 
You want to know what I do to my son every single night? Every single night without excuse, I go up to him and say, in the name of Jesus, Zion, we cover him in the blood of Jesus. This boy is protected. This boy is healthy. I do the very same thing for my wife. If you want to see miracles in your life, use the name, plead the blood, and give him glory. Can I get an amen, everybody? Would you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray for you. And we want to do something a little different today. So I ended a little early because, man, I, I really believe that there are people that need miracles in this room. And I want to tell you the power of God is so real. And listen, Scripture says that signs and wonders follow those who believe. In other words, listen, if you're not seeing miracles, it's because something's off. Are you hearing me? Miracles should follow those who believe. Can I tell you something about my life? I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle because God has showcased his power. And I am fully convinced that he still does miracles today. Does anybody in here need a miracle? Amen. That's, that's a lot of the people in the church. We need a miracle today. And so I believe that God's going to showcase a miracle. Let me read you this scripture really fast. I forgot to read it earlier. Is this 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. It says this. Just listen to me. But mark this, in the last days there will be terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I'm coming for you kids. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Watch this. Key verse. They will have a form of godliness, but they will deny his power. We need more power in our churches. Come on, we need to see the power of God. Who needs a miracle? Raise your hand again. I'm telling you, God's, God's good. And we're going to see miracles take place today. And we're going to go into a time of worship. And man, what I think is a travesty today is a lot of times what happens is a preacher will lead you to do that. But let me tell you something. There is the spirit of God on the inside of you. And it's not my prayer that can heal you, but it is God that can heal you. But you can pray and God can heal and hear your prayer. Did you hear what I just said? So would you lift your hands up to heaven if you're comfortable? And if you're not, that's totally okay. But I just believe that there is a physical obedience brings spiritual release. I believe that. And so I need you to agree with me in faith. And I even want you to elevate your own voice and start praying. Because we're, we're crying out for our city. We're crying out for our sons and daughters. We're crying out for our health. We're crying out for our cousins. We're crying out for our family. We're crying out to God to say, we need the power of God in our churches. We need the power of God to kill grasshopper complexes. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, I want you to agree with me in faith, everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just call down heaven right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over every single person in this room. And I declare, Lord, that they be healed in Jesus' name. I declare, Lord, that whatever has come against them shall not prosper, for no weapon formed against me shall prosper. They are, they are giant killers. They are giant slayers. They are not grasshoppers. We will walk into the land of Canaan. We will walk into the land of promise. We will see our dreams. We will overcome our insecurities, and we will know who we are in Jesus' name. And so, Father, in, in the name of Jesus, I just declare whatever they're struggling with, whatever is on their heart, heart right now, whatever is on their mind, I declare a renewed mind in Jesus' name. I declare mental illness has to go. It has to flee. It has to go. It has to go. We cast it out. We exile it out. Mental illness, like literally, God, I believe that people taking prescription pills can stop and cease in Jesus' name. I believe that whatever the doctor said is subjected to whatever God says first and foremost, God. You are our great physician. You are our healer. You are our redemption. You are our, our deliverer, Father. And we believe that Jehovah Rapha is in this place. 
He is our healer. He is our provider. I believe, Lord, that you're going to do miraculous things because your power is so real and your presence is in this room. In Jesus' name. And come on, can everybody give God glory? Can we all give God glory? Now listen, we're going to worship, and I want you to go in with full faith, believing that your miracle is on its way. I want to tell you something. Your miracle is in transit. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, your miracle is in transit. So can we lift this roof off this place, and can we worship like God's going to do something powerful? Come on, worship team. Let's go. Come on, lift your hands. Desire is to 
close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Listen, I believe that may the praise you lifted up today, God hears you. He hears you. And I know there's some significant struggle in this room, but I want to tell you God is good and he hears his kids. And it might not be a yes right now, but I, I promise you, you're going to be better. Whatever his answer, you're going to be better. You're going to be better. And so we, we just sang that song, A Touch of Heaven. And listen, we, I believe that heaven is going to come down to earth for you. But let me tell you something. He already did. He already did. And Jesus walked this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life. And he died for people, believing in them, even if we wouldn't believe in him. And I want you to know today, this might be an opportunity where you can say, you know what? I need to submit. I need to surrender my life to Christ. And so I've been running for a long time. And maybe that's you in this room. And I want to give you an opportunity in a moment if you could... Just boldly lift your hand in a second. I'm going to pray and count to three. I'm just going to ask you to say, I need to, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I believe God's been speaking to you this whole service. And if that's you, and you need to surrender or commit your life to Christ on three, would you shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. One, Jesus loves you so much. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute for tomorrow is not promised. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up. I see your hand and 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 your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Can everybody just say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I acknowledge you as the Lord and Savior of my life. From this day forward, I give it all to you. And I surrender to you. Thank you, God. I believe, Lord, that this prayer will be sealed in their hearts. And, Lord, I know your spirit is going with them. They are never alone. And so, Father, I pray that we go from insecure to confident. And any ounce of insecurity or inadequacy, but Father, we would just be rid of in Jesus' name. We would see breakthrough take place. You would put on the mind of Christ for all of us. Our mind is our responsibility. And so we're going to feed it properly. But we believe in the power of God that in one moment everything can change. And I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would give them the conviction. You would give them the decision to make and find a family of God, whether it's this one or if, this is a, if there's an even a better church for them somewhere around. Father, we just believe that they're going to get committed, committed and into community, Lord. We believe that, Lord, you're going to do incredible things with their life. And they are called to slay giants, and they are no grasshopper. Your future is attainable. Giants are slayable. And I want to tell you, you are no grasshopper. You are a man, and you are a woman of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody in here said, Come on, everybody in here said amen and amen. Thank you, guys.